electricity, a big idea that's inspired countless new ones. From powering the light bulb to virtually powering our entire lives. 30 years ago, State Street launched the Spider S&P 500 ETF, SPY. A big idea that inspired the world to invest differently. And still does. What can you do with SPY? Before investing, consider the funds, investment objectives, risks, charges, and expenses. Visit SSGA.com for a prospectus containing this and other information. Read it carefully before investing. SPY is subject to risks similar to those of stocks. All ETFs are subject to risk, including possible loss of principal. Alps Distributors, Inc. Distributor. Right now on Fast, losing steam. Is the mojo from the AI boom starting to fade? And if so, where are investors moving their tech gains? We'll break down the market rotation and ask if today's move is more than a one-hit wonder. Plus, New York undercover. A wildfire-induced haze blanketing the Big Apple and much of the eastern United States. Smoke from hundreds of Canadian wildfires disrupting air travel, business, and air quality. We've got a live report coming up. And later, Tesla's electrified winning streak, Wall Street's growing love affair with Netflix and the streamers, and a big rebound for a couple of real estate titans. I'm Melissa Lee. This is Fast Money. We're live at the Nasdaq Market Site on the desk tonight. Tim Seymour, Karen Feinerman, Steve Grasso, and Guy Adami. We start off with this. Sound of the air coming out of the AI balloon. Oh, Investors fleeing stocks tied to the space today. Everything from Upstart uh, and C3 AI to giants like Alphabet, Microsoft, NVIDIA seeing shares drop. Where's the money going? Well, today at least, energy, banks, utilities, industrials, those sectors outperforming the broader market today. Energy, the best performing group in June. Industrials now at their highest level in three months. So is this rotation a sign of a more permanent shift in market sentiment. Tim, what do you think? Well, I would argue before SVB, we were getting to a place where we were seeing more breadth in the markets. And and, and so um, XLE up 8% in four days, XLI up 6.3% in five days. Also retail. I mean, look at the moves in Macy's and Children's Place and really beleaguered names. Uh, if you look at even uh, Foot Locker, I'm sure Karen can talk about that. But things that seemed like the consumer was dead, actually. So I, it just does feel a lot like rotation. It also feels a lot like uh, the health that's coming back into the market. Markets, at least on some sense, with if you believe that, you know, we're sure going to talk here about the regional banks and the move in the banks, but the banks. Fed funds back above SVB levels means that I think that you're seeing some normalcy, and it means also that the Fed may be more aggressive. But 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 right now, that breadth is encouraging when all we could do was say that the stock market rally was five stocks. Uh, I'm still going to say until I see a sustainable break in the outperformance of semis and Qs over the S&P that they won't continue to pull the market higher. But, but look, what happened in AI, we've said it many times on this desk, um, it, it, it's, it, it was the, the type of move that we've seen before around buzzwords used in press conferences around blockchain and crypto and a lot of it. AI has been in the game plan of a lot of these companies for a long time. Right. Um, so you are a believer, one of the few on the desk here, mm-hmm. um, in this AI spending boom potentially unfolding in front of us. I am. But we did yep. see a nice 4% gain in URI. We saw yes. a nice 4% plus gain in, in Capri. Right. Um, and so where, was, do you st- where do you stand on what we're seeing in the markets in terms of the rotation? I have both. I don't have, I have not changed my portfolio except the tiniest tweaks. I sold some Netflix calls. I sold some meta calls. But I mean, I'm still very long those. And I'm very, I'm always very long in general. It's just nice to see and kind of ridiculous at the same time. Really is United Rentals is up, I don't know, $40, $50. Nothing has happened. Absolutely nothing. There's So it's just kind of ridiculous. And this, I think it's sort of the beginning of the rotation. I mean, some of the things were just absolutely absurd. You know, retail, we were talking about Capri, another, you know, it's back to almost right where it was before that earnings. 
Footlocker is a very far way to go, but it's up 8% in the last 48 hours. No news, absolutely nothing. So it's just clear it's just this rotation. Things go in and out of favor. I'm not really changing anything, although I did increase my bank exposure a little bit because I think that one has been out of favor longer and still has room to go. In order for the market to continue to move higher, you're going to need those names, the tech names, to really sort of kick it, kick it off. But there has to be a reversion trade. When things are up over 100%, for the year, you have to take a powder, you have to take a breath. This is all normal, natural, healthy for the markets. Having said that, it's going to flow back into these names again because the other names aren't gonna be able to push it. So you have to decide, are we in another bull market? If we're in another bull market, then it's going to be led by the same ones that have led this bull market, which is tech. 40% of the Russell 2000 is unprofitable. You're not going to want to buy stocks that are unprofitable. So I, I agree with Tim. You're starting to see a little bit of an expanding breath, healthy. Mm-hmm. But if you want profits, you have nothing to look forward to on earnings day when you have an unprofitable Russell 2000. So I do believe you're going to see some expansion in breath, but people are going to come back to those other names again. All right. Well, in the meantime, though, there could be a very good trade in the Russell 2000. I mean, the, the sure. chart looks like it's breaking out. It's up. What today was up 1.8%. KRE was up 3.3%. I mean, strength in small banks means strength in, in, in Russell, Guy. That's what we talked about last night. Tim talked about it. You know, we thought in the absence of bad news, KRE is just going to do this grind higher as people try to find value someplace, and they're going to find it in the regional banks. That said, I don't think it's over in terms of the headline risk. But for now, each passing day, those will grind higher, which is going to drag the Russell up. But for me, obviously rotation today, but... Halima Croft was just on closing bell right before they came to us, and she made some very cogent points about the energy market that I think people are not really taking into full consideration. There's a demand situation going on that I think people want to dismiss because of this global slowdown. There's also a supply problem as well. And you look at the move in OIH, Schlumberger, Halliburton, all getting off the mat in a meaningful way. I think energy stocks can surprise people over the next couple weeks into the next few months to the upside. I mean, there had been some comments to the effect of OPEC will do everything it can to get that oil price to 80 and stay there, Tim. Well, so Saudi's taking stock. real barrels out of the market. Mm-hmm. Like when they when they say something, they actually have the position to pull the barrels out. Some of these other companies are just going back on quotas. Um, and and I, I think it's it's notable that Saudi, Saudi right now is 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 willing to fight what might be some friction between OPEC plus. But, um, no, I, I think energy moves higher, and I would look at a Schlumberger chart, and I would say it actually has held the bottom end of an uptrend that goes all the way back into last year. So, you know, to me, I, I think some of these sectors also uh, like the reflation that's going on in the market. Rates are moving higher. Now, there's different reasons why rates are moving higher. Some of this is people uh, pricing in some of the technical dynamics of a trillion dollars of a Treasury issuance that have to come now that we've settled the debt ceiling. Um, but, but I think that the, the yields moving higher is also a bit of a normal that just comes in a world we're going to have banking crises. Uh, we are going to have more banks fail. Uh, but, but, you know, SVB and the cascade from there was something that, that really took yields down to a place where they, I don't think, belong. And frankly, I think we go sideways for the most part on yields. But, but two months ago, people were calling for 3% on the 10-year and then, and then 2% very quickly. And I don't think we're going to do that barring some kind of a black swan. Yeah. Uh, Karen, where do you, it's interesting. You said you sold calls for Meta on Meta and Alphabet. How about NVIDIA? 
No, not NVIDIA. It's not a giant position. Alphabet and and Meta are very big positions, right? So I don't have a huge position in NVIDIA. I'm going to let it play out. I know the bubble and all of that, but I don't believe this is anything remotely close to 1999. And I've you know, there's a lot of data to to support that. I think that this story is not played out yet. We've seen one quarter. We haven't even yet seen the quarter. We've seen the expectation of the quarter, right? And so I think we got to let it play out more because, as I said then, I, I think he's sandbagging. I think we're even going to see more. And I think uh, so I'm not going to trade around that. These other ones I will trade around because, they, first of all, when they go Meta? up so much, you get too big. What? What about Meta? Because Sold some calls in, against Meta. Okay. Cause, but and to me of those, and I'm long Meta, and, and, and I bought it probably before the second the last whoosh down, but it's been a good trade. Um, and, and I actually think it goes higher. I, I think it goes higher relative to also, they're the ones that have a real AI business. They're the ones that get 20 to 25% right now of their content from AI. They're ones that have an expanding TAM based upon how they could actually be more into e-commerce. Reels is a $5 billion business in a couple of years. And I look at also just the technicals of those companies that have, first of all, gone through their relative um, kind of ceiling against the S&P and pushed through that. And that usually has taken them, that's Microsoft and, and Apple, to fresh all-time highs. Now, Meta's still further away, although it's not terribly far uh, away on a relative basis to the S&P because it was even underperforming. So, But you I, could say the, the same exact things about Google, yeah. right? And um, because they've up so much this year, Meta well over 100%, and Google up, I don't know, 45 as of yesterday, down today, it's just too big a position now. And I do think this sort of rotation makes sense to me that that should have some more legs. Most likely it'll be bad trades. Hopefully. I'm, I'm sure <laughs> I, I, de- I definitely see. So Meta could close that gap where it gapped down to from about $322. So I could see it closing that. And just think about it, the regulators are quite busy these days. What used to be the biggest headwind for Meta? Regulators. AI, big play, as Tim said. I don't know if they could close the gap to 322, but if the market gets back on the horse and we start talking about bull markets again, yes. Just where you started out, though, with Saudis and oil. Every time OPEC, and I know we're talking about one country, not all the OPEC members, every time they cut, price of oil goes down. That's happened habitually over the last couple of years. It's an indicator. Whenever they cut production, they, they want to. announce a cut or when the cuts are supposed to whenever, be Well, they never keep with the cuts anyway. They overproduce. Okay. So we've had Sankey on here saying that they overproduce. So they all overproduce. Maybe to Tim's point, Saudis will, will definitively cut. But the problem is all the OPEC other countries are overproducing. So it's going to negate whatever the Saudis are doing anyway. It's a signal for me to sell oil. All right. Well, for more on the AI momentum and what it means for the big tech and the digital ad space, let's bring in Yusuf Scully. He is the head of Internet and Media Equity Research at Truist Global. Um, Yusuf, you just put out a note earlier this week breaking down the tech names you see as early winners in the AI race, as well as the companies most at risk. First, I just want to get your take on this sort of notion that's driving this entire trade, and that is that there is a massive spend that we're just on the precipice of. Can you... Walk us through how valid you think that is, because in theory, all these companies have been spending on AI in one shape or another for years and years and years. And it seems like now there's a narrative that that spend will be step function higher than what we've seen in the past. What's your take? Right. So I think you hit on a really important point. So as several of your guests have said, you know, the large caps or the mega caps have all done really well this year. And that that was an anticipation of that that they, you know, they're the key 
players, the hyperscalers, the infrastructure builders for AI, and that's completely true. What I think the street is yet to, uh, or trying to wrestle with is OPEX and CAPEX from 2022 to 2023 has actually have been going down. And the assumption, if you look at, you know, uh, consensus for 23 and 24 and 25, the assumption is that we basically kind of stay relatively flat to maybe go up a little bit. Um, I don't think that's necessarily going to be the case because of all of these investments that now need to be um, reflected with all these guys building again the infrastructure. I think they've all cut down on real estate. They've all cut down on kind of pet projects, but AI is really the area where they need to spend. And you know, and I don't think it was it's necessarily baked into street estimates. And I think that's the disconnect at this point. How do you how do you put into your model the benefit from AI? And I'm wondering because com different companies, Microsoft had, was very specific, I thought, on its earnings call in terms of outlining what they were projecting would be the added benefit when it came to uh, uh, cloud services, et cetera. Very specific in terms of how they thought the, about the benefit. Alphabet, though, seemed a little bit more amorphous. And we know that Alphabet has a lot of AI in it. But how do you think about that in terms of your model and financials? Well, so I think for the cloud guys, it's probably the easiest because we know that as um, these workflows start, you know, materializing and everybody tries to train their own, you know, AI on their own proprietary data, there's just going to be a lot of compute power that's going to be required. And there are only three players there, right, which you know. But then there is a second derivative there, and that's companies that should or that are going to be leveraging AI for revenue acceleration. And those are, in my mind, company like Uber, company like Wayfair, uh, Trade Desk, uh, DoorDash, et cetera. Um, and that will probably start happening in 2024. It's not going to happen this year. And then, and this is probably true of virtually the entire co coverage of uh, um, our, our coverage universe, and that's companies that are going to leverage AI for cost reduction. Right. Um, and those are companies that are going to be either leveraging leveraging AI to try to lower customer support or um, um, uh, engineering and, and, and uh, you know, kind of programming, et cetera. And it's really hard to put numbers around these because we've ran uh, a number of surveys with with clients or with companies we cover. And the feedback is we're still in the early stages of trying to figure it out. So we don't really. No, and that's why the street hasn't really put pen to paper to try to change their numbers, at least on the revenue acceleration and on the cost reduction yet. But the easiest really should be the, the hyperscalers and the infrastructure builders as they benefit from just the increase in, um, in workflow. Last quick question, Yusuf. When you talk about a company like a Wayfair, how is AI going? It feels almost like back when, when people are using the internet for e-commerce and saying it's an e-commerce company now um, because it uses e-commerce. I mean, is Wayfair going to sell that many more rugs and sofas because of AI? I mean, how, how does that actually work? Because it seems like every company will be able to benefit from AI. And so how do you differentiate Wayfair as opposed to some other company? Well, so the way I look at it is any company that relies on search to try to, you know, kind of deliver the right product to the right person at the right time is going to be, you know, leveraging 
uh, you know, the, the tremendous amount of data they already have on their customers or the third-party data they're buying and they're trying to create lookalike audiences. So the reason Wayfair and Etsy, DoorDash and Uber are going to benefit is because they're going to, one, improve their, 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 their kind of um, uh, marketing to drive higher um, customer um, uh, acquisition. And that those customers should, one, come in at a cheaper COCA or cost, cost customer acquisition and stick around late, um, for longer. All right. Yusuf, thank you. Always great to speak with you. Yusuf Scully. Thank you. Um, that seems like every company under the sun, uh, but I get what he's saying. Uh, Guy, I don't know, maybe they would sell a lot more Guy Dami sock puppets on Etsy if AI yeah, were I would have already bought leveraged. One. Yeah. I mean, but, you know, these these things, these gizmos have been telling me supposedly what I'm supposed to buy for years. Forever. So I don't know what's necessarily <laughs> forever, but I don't know what's really different other than the fact that instead of calling it, you know, data harvesting, we're calling it AI now. I guess it's sort of cool. Um, and there will be winners. But, you know, Trade Desk is the name that came up. So why don't we talk about it quickly? I mean, here's another stock that's probably trading close to 20 times revenue, 50 times earnings, does not have the commensurate EPS growth. If you pull up a chart, if you do a longer-term chart, we're right at the level that we broke down from last August, sort of the 75 level. So, you know, you're in the deep end of the pool with a lot of these names. A lot of them had tremendous runs. And, you know, if this happens in 24, 25, that's great. It ain't happening tomorrow, Melms. Let's turn now to a developing story. Smoke from wildfires across Canada blanketing New York and much of the Northeast with a thick haze. New York City right now experiencing the worst air quality in the world. That is according to IQ Air. And take a look at some of the scenes from around the city and other parts of the Northeast. The current conditions causing a ground stop at New York area airports and shutting down all sorts of activities in the area. So the question now is how long will the situation stick around? Could it get worse? Let's ask NBC News meteorologist Bill Karens. Bill, what's the latest? Now, Melissa, today's a day that people in the greater New York City area and, you know, Pennsylvania, central New York, southern New England, Philadelphia, won't ever forget soon. I mean, it's the worst air quality any of us have ever seen. I mean, that's how bad it was. You could literally see it. The street lights went on 6th Avenue outside our building here at 2.30 this afternoon when the, when the really the densest uh, fog and smoke moved through the region. So here's the big hazardous plume. It started in central New York. Now it's over in New York City. Just made it into Philadelphia. We've had smoke reports as far south as Charlotte, North Carolina, all the way through Michigan, Ohio. But the really nasty stuff is in this area from central New York into New York. It's actually in the hazardous range. That's why they canceled the Yankee game tonight. Um, that's one of the reasons why a lot of schools are already canceling for tomorrow in this region. But it's not only for the elderly or the young or people with respiratory problems. It's hazardous air for anyone to breathe without a mask. And that includes the New York City area. Earlier today, Syracuse was over 400, you know, these micro particles. That's what they measure in these monitoring stations. Typically, it's bad if you're over like 150. Right now, New York City's at 392. This would be the most unhealthy measured air in New York City's history when we average it all out by the end of the day, beating yesterday, by the way, which smashed the previous record from like 20 years ago. So two days in a row of this. And tonight and tomorrow, we'll see the air quality getting worse in Philly and New York. So here's the future cast. This actually shows you where the smoke is from these fires. So this is as we go through 10 a.m. Thursday, still from New York, just 
just south of Boston, but look right over Washington, D.C., and then a really thick plume coming into Buffalo. So these fires are going to send kind of bands of smoke at us, depending on which way the wind is blowing. By 7 p.m. Thursday, still smoky from D.C. to New York. That dense plume then rotating down towards Pittsburgh as we go through Friday morning. It won't be probably till about Saturday that we get rid of this complete mess. So in all, about 111 million people dealing with this poor air quality. But Melissa, by far, the worst of it is in and around New York City. It's just, it's not safe. I was outside even with an N95 mask for three hours doing live shots today, and I still can feel it in my lungs. And I like to say I'm in shape. I do marathons, but I wouldn't want to run right now. Wow, I'm staying inside, that's for sure. Bill, thank you. Good. Bill Cairns with the very latest on this, and, and obviously we want people to stay safe, and that's a primary concern. But you got to think that, you know, you shut people up inside and that's a loss of economic activity. It's not just the airlines, et cetera. But I feel like next shopping season, next uh, quarterly reports, we're going to hear the retailers say, oh, well, we had the air quality issue. And so in the Northeast, sales were down. Let's shrink, though. <laughs> I mean, the they're, lining, they're, they're looking for the silver lining. It's only a couple of days. Yeah. Yes, it's only see. a couple of days. So let's yeah. see how long. I think he, I believe he said uh, by the weekend it should be clearing up. I actually right. bought Delta on the dip today, but obviously you don't want it to extend longer than a week. Yeah. Guy, we know that you're safe uh, in your basement. You <laughs> stayed home. He looks well, safe. Yeah. Um, I, got, I got all the different air purifiers on. And to, to Karen's point about the less shrink, how would you know? You can't see anything. <laughs> <laughs> I, I thought Guy was going to comment that it's probably good news for Mets fans that, that maybe they won't uh, play tonight. But in <laughs> fact, we play in Atlanta, so we'll probably have a game tonight right. and hopefully we'll win. We will have much more on the wildfire smoke effect on the airlines later on. Meantime, coming up, Tesla's electric run continues. A stock on a winning streak not seen in more than three years. We're charging into that trade next. Plus, talk about appreciation. One of our traders eyeing the moves in some real estate trusts. And you know what they say, location, 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 where you should be in the trade when Fast Money returns. You seek the key. But first, you must learn the ways of precision, craft, and performance with Acura's all-electric ZDX. With a premium Bang & Olufsen sound system up to a 313-mile range and a Type S variant with an estimated 500 horsepower, the ZDX is their most powerful SUV yet. Unlock the energy when you visit Acura.com to order yours today. Wouldn't it be great to have all your investment and retirement accounts in one place? Yahoo Finance, our sponsor today, makes it easy. I use it to put my investment account and 401k accounts into one hub and get expert tips that help me confidently manage my money. For more than 25 years, Yahoo Finance has been the brand behind every great investor. Whether you're a seasoned investor or are looking for that extra guidance, Yahoo Finance gives you all the tools and data you need in one place. They're the number one finance destination, producing a holistic look at the financial news cycle, including breaking news, original editorial perspectives, analyst ratings, independent research, customer Customizable charts, and so much more. Securely link your brokerage accounts for a unified view of your wealth, including 401k and other investments. A comprehensive perspective is what sets apart great investors, and it's how Yahoo Finance ensures you have the insight to look at your wealth in its entirety. For comprehensive financial news and analysis, visit the brand behind every great investor. YahooFinance.com, the number one financial destination. YahooFinance.com. That's YahooFinance.com. Welcome back to Fast Money. Tesla charging higher, the EV maker on pace for its longest winning streak since early 2021. The stock has gained more than 23% in the past nine days, a surge 82% year to date. It is the fourth best performer in the S&P 500 this year. 
I think this was in somebody's acronym. Somebody. Steve. Who could it be? Yeah. So, so obviously this one's been an extremely volatile stock. The stock is up uh, tremendously year to date. It's, it's about autos. It's about energy. It's about services. And today was about the federal subsidies coming in for the Model 3. So it's made the Model 3 very affordable, probably low 20s in price. That gets a lot of people into the EV atmosphere or ecosystem out of atmosphere on the mind. <laughs> so I think the more they can do this, the more they can sort of be the electric vehicle of, I'm, I'm looking to see if I see any Teslas, I don't, but the electric mm-hmm. vehicle of this country and of other countries, I think they're the name to be. They're actually making money no one else is. Guy, you like the chart here? 225 is where we traded down to, I think it was last June, and bounced. So past uh, support becomes resistance to the upside. This is also sort of where we broke down from uh, when we had that first one up to 225. So I guess, you know, it looks good in the short term. On a longer term chart, though, if you go back a few years, it's still in a pretty significant downtrend. So this is actually a level where it should slow down, I would imagine. Your Ford and GM did even better today, Tim, as part of this rotation. Well, you know, they they have had some of the benefit of the industrial move higher. They have had some of the benefit of, I think, the broadening of the market. Ford had its little uh, Tesla announcement in terms of marrying on the on the charging station. So I I, I think in a world where we're assessing where recession truly is coming in. I mean, the autos, again, they have not cut prices either. In fact, you can make an argument that Tesla's been cutting prices more than Ford and GM. But I'm not going to tell you auto demand's going higher from here. I mean, as much as I think there was supply chain disruptions, I think you have to be cautious. All right. There's a lot more fast money to come. Here's what's coming up next. A real estate revival. A couple of property managers on the rise today. But what's behind the turnaround? The deets on REITs next. Plus, the streaming wars rage on. Amazon getting in on ads as analysts turn up the volume on Netflix, where you should place your binging bets ahead. You're watching Fast Money, live from the NASDAQ market site in Times Square. We're back right after this. What's on the horizon for financial markets? At PGIM, it's a question that over 1,400 investment professionals relentlessly research in pursuit of your long-term goals. Specialized across asset classes, but united in collaboration, our teams provide global and local expertise. Our investments shape tomorrow, today. Pursue your tomorrow with PGIM, a leading global asset manager. Welcome back to Fast Money REITs, staging a rebound in today's session. Vernado, Boston Properties, Kilroy Realty, some, seeing some of the biggest gains, each surging between 45 and 5%. But with the group underperforming the broader markets this year, how should investors interpret this recent bounce? Karen, you're in a couple of these? I, I'm actually in one, uh, Boston okay. Properties, which of you is sort of the, the J.P. Morgan of the REIT space. I don't know why I was up today. I think it was just entirely part of the rotation. You know, a couple of weeks ago we had jumped lit on who had a great trade being short office space. And um, it was sort of, well, if you had to think of the, what's the most interesting short, the first thing that comes to mind is office space. And I think it's just sort of overdone mm-hmm. to the downside. Everyone knows it's a giant problem. And we are going to see bankruptcies. We are going to see people get back the keys. Boston Property was able to do a debt deal. So they're the high-quality name in the space. And I know of no reason that it was up. It does seem that when regionals are a little firmer, maybe the fears about commercial real estate abate, and so yep. therefore REITs can 
find some ground. Yeah, I was nibbling on regional KRE yesterday and today, uh, by the way. And, you know, I look at a Vornado who had their earnings results somewhere into April. They actually announced a share buyback plan. People were disappointed they were going to put that money into actually paying down debt at a time when there's a lot of leverage in here. Um, but again, I think you're talking about the highest quality players. There, you, know, you, you look at the sum of the parts, you look at the book value, and you can start to do some of the math. In a world where we don't have a real credit spike from here, remember, if you look at high yield spreads and you look at other parts of the credit curve, they've actually been coming in. And, and so that's also part of this, uh, this you know, mosaic of reasons why it makes some sense you see these things rallying. I would not be chasing them higher, but it, it, you know, I don't think they're going out of business for sure. This whole space, to, to Karen Tim's point, has been decimated. And if you look at how many how many loans are resetting, what's the number, Karen? Four trillion in commercial mm-hmm. loans that are supposed to be resetting in the next maybe, couple of years. Yeah, in the next couple in the next couple of years, maybe there's a, if rates are probably have peaked at this point mm-hmm. or close to peaking. Maybe that damage that could ensue is probably not going to be as bad as you think. So there's a whole lot of reason why the, st- the sector has been bouncing. Probably just an unfavored trade. It's an overdone trade to the downside. But maybe things aren't going to be as bad in the next couple of years. I mean, being closer to the end of the tightening cycle is definitely a help um, as well, Guy. Yeah, but then you listen to Stan Druck and Miller, and I want to be careful because everybody <laughs> says we pronounce it wrong. And he talks about the lag effects not having taken hold at all yet. And he talked about a 15 to 20 percent potential earnings um, slide to the down to the downside. So, yeah, these stocks bounced today. I think it was part of the rotation. I understand they're probably heavily shorted. They're also probably right to be shorted. So if you look at assignment properties, for example, you have this little pennant formation that continues to tighten. I think it's going to sort of uh, remedy itself to the downside, Melms. All right, coming up, analysts getting more bullish on Netflix and a couple of other streamers are getting a boost as well. Are you binging on any of these stocks? The details next. And fintech firm Affirm jumping on a new partnership with Amazon. How you can prime now and pay later. More on that when Fast Money returns. Welcome back to Fast Money Stocks. Closing mix as the S&P pulled back from a nine-month high in the Nasdaq falling more than 1%. The Dow, though, managed a 91-point gain. Weakness in the staple space as shares of Campbell Soup and General Mills traded lower. Campbell beating on earnings this morning but issuing full-year guidance below expectations. And an earnings alert on GameStop shares are plummeting right now, down by 19%. Had been worse, actually, in the after-hour session. After the company announced it is terminating its current CEO, naming Ryan Cohen as executive mm. chairman, elevating him, he was the chairman. Cohen tweeting about an hour ago, not for long. The outgoing CEO's name is Matt Furlong, by the way. So it could just be that a joke. Um, for more on GameStop and how Ryan Cohen got legions of retail investors to follow his every move, do not miss the CNBC documentary, Making of the Meme King. It's re-airing tonight at 8 p.m. Eastern time. Just in time to uh, figure this one out, Guy. Um, I, I don't know what you... Uh, make of this uh, move here. <laughs> uh, they missed by a long shot. And so you got to think if you're purging the CEO, maybe there's hope here if they get the right CEO in the door. Yeah, or maybe there's not. They canceled the conference call. I, I mean, I think people are starting to re- come to the realization that maybe this was a failed business for a long time. And the stock was fun for people for a while. But I think reality starting to set in. And you know, I'm sure Ryan Cohen is a uh, wonderful guy, but he's not particularly funny on Twitter, if you want my opinion. But I'm thrilled that you're re-airing the special tonight, Mel, because if you missed it last night, I can't imagine what you'd be doing. you got to catch it tonight. 
in the it's, wake of this news. It's also available on YouTube, by the way, if you can't make tonight's re-airing and, you know, want to be more flexible on where you see it, awesome. you can certainly stream it. Um, but, Karen, I'm just curious, if you're named executive chair, how long does it take for you to be able to sell your steak? Because the question, I think, here after he dumped his Bed Bath & Beyond steak mm-hmm. is whether or not he would do the same thing with GameStop. Well, Bed Bath & Beyond, I don't believe he was an insider, which allowed yeah, him right. a he was far, not on the board. He was he not on the board. Of his sort of cohorts on the board. Uh-huh. They were independent directors. I think he's got to be, He's uh, well, certainly before this, he couldn't have for two right. reasons. One, it's in a quiet period, and two, we would have seen uh, within a day any transaction. So I don't believe he's done anything. I think there's still a lot of material news if they're close to hiring a new CEO. That's really important. I think it'll be a while. If I were he, I would donate the stock to charity, which would sort of get out of the, you could Reduce, you, that you could make a charitable donation. That's right. good, right? You're, it's looked at very differently, I think, than just selling the stock. But, I, I mean, I, I don't get this at all. I don't get it. I didn't get it then. The inventories look like they're up an extra 25%. Yeah. I don't, I, I don't get the whole thing. All right. Uh, let's get to Netflix here, hitting another milestone, a new 52-week high. In fact, trading around its highest level since February 2022. J.P. Morgan, Wells Fargo, both lifting their price targets on the stock today. A couple of smaller streamers also surging. Warner Brothers Discovery closing up over 8%, while Paramount jumped nearly 4%. Here to break down all the action, Barton Crockett, senior research analyst at Rosenbach Securities. He's got a hold rating on Netflix. Um, Barton, obviously, the other backdrop is Amazon Prime launching an ad uh, tier how does that sort of shake up this landscape in your view, if at all? Well, I think that uh, um, advertising is certainly a great way to go. If you're looking at a consumer that's going to be stretched in their pocketbook, they're looking for um, you know, ways to save money on streaming. It's one of those places where I think the surveys say consumers feel like they're overspending. Um, so I think it's, it's well positioned. Um, for Netflix, it's not large enough, I think, over the next couple of years to really move the needle mainly because of the limited number of people coming into the ad tier. Uh, the big game at Netflix is going to be paid sharing, um, where I think a lot of that's largely digested in the stock price. And I'm not sure that there's reason to jump in today uh, to play that way at this point. Hey, Barton, is Tim. How do you think about the multiples in the space? So there was a time we were paying any kind of a growth multiple, and we were paying it based upon subs growth, and there was a lot of different math you could do. Um, at this point, Netflix is the only company that's profitable. And, and, and so the good news for Netflix and their shareholders is this is a company that's going to have you know, 8 to $9 billion in free cash flow uh, by 25, if you read the J.P. Morgan report. I haven't seen yours. But what's the multiple you're putting on these names at this point, at least those that are profitable? Well, look, I, th- I think that we're trending towards, um, certainly for Netflix, a future that's mature, right? So they're going to be making money and their multiples kind of come down. And you got to look at the intersection of those two things. And in my mind, um, you know, in some number of years in the future, you're going to trade this at a low double digit multiple of free cash flow that's only growing modestly because they would have penetrated the subscription opportunity. And the ad opportunity will be a grower, but not, you know, a barn shooter. So um, you're transitioning. And that's a difficult place for a former growth stock like Netflix. Did it surprise you, Barton, to see all the streamers up on the back of this Amazon uh, ad tier news? Um, a little bit. Look, I've got um, certainly a cautious stake on, uh, take on some of the others. I've got a sell rating on Warner Brothers, a sell rating on Paramount. Um, and, you know, I do think that in streaming, we're in a difficult kind of transition. Um, this is an industry that Netflix is winning, but it's a business that is difficult. 
Um, it is one that nobody's leaving quickly. Um, and it's one where, you know, nobody's really been able to make money except for Netflix right now. Um, so, you know, I think that there's a lot of volatility around stocks that have been pressed down as much as Warner Brothers and Paramount have. And I think that's more what's going on than this being a fundamental revelation of something different in the business. We already knew they were convert, uh, pivoting to ad-based uh, portion of their business and streaming, um, you know, this assists in distribution, but it's not terribly surprising. All right, Martin, great to get your take. Thank you. Great, thank you. Martin Crockett of Rosenblatt. Um, Guy, which name do you like the, the most, or which one do you like the least? That's interesting, too. <laughs> well, you know, we've, we've liked Netflix for a while, but I'll say out of those three, given the run Netflix had, maybe Netflix the least, and I'll tell you why. Back in December of 21, the stock went from 700 to 400, basically in about 10 or so sessions. And that first place we stopped at before with the next leg lower was about this 405 level. That's where we are now. And this move from about 175 to here has been effectively unabated, maybe a one or two selves along the way. So I think Netflix is a great company. I just think the stock has gone way too far too fast. And I think you're definitely looking for a pullback in Netflix over the next couple of weeks. You just invented another game. What wouldn't you rather with oh. Guy right there? It's kind of confusing, so, but sure. Yeah, I, I agree. It's, it looks like it's running into resistance right here from that March 2022 level. How long can you get the, uh, the extra yardage out of the same story, password sharing? It's a direct play, but I think it's overdone now to the upside. Well, you two are hoping for a long time, right? <laughs> You're going to get more yes. out of this one. Well, I, I, yes. I, I see this as totally margin accretive. I mean, let's be clear. Yeah. I mean, these are you're taking you know, borrowers, we're calling them, people that were, and they're saying, so the J.P. Morgan's note out today says that 50% of those will become new subs, 50% of those will essentially become, uh, you know, folks that are, are in the ad tier. And if you look at where that, that's an extra $2.5 billion next year. So, I mean, there are numbers you can really apply to this. And I, I go back to when they made this announcement, it wasn't out of weakness. It was out of strength, um, even though, yes, saturation levels were things I was talking about with Netflix before I owned the stock for a long time. So uh, I, I look at that free cash flow generation. And I, there's no one even close. You stay long. Coming up, Prime Payment. Amazon teaming up with the one fintech company for a buy now, pay later option. So should this stock be in your cart? <laughs> that trade is next. And throughout June, CNBC is celebrating Pride Month. Here's the chief people officer of Equinox Group. Being gay is not a liability. Um, it's the creativity, the resilience, the empathy that you bring to the table that is so valued in any team, any workplace. Don't settle for anything less. Pick people to work with and places to work at, not that they will just tolerate you, but celebrate for who you are and what you bring to the table. Welcome back to Fast Money. A firm shares topping the tape today, rising as much as 23% at highs after announcing a partnership with Amazon. Vendors that use Amazon Pay will now be able to offer a firm's buy now, pay later option. A firm's stock closed well off the highs of the day, but is now up nearly 70% this year. A lot of the payment companies were actually uh, doing pretty well today, like a visa. But where do you stand on our firm? I, I, I'd take this and run if I was long. It's short covering. It's it's, it's not going to change their business. And and I wouldn't, you know, with the consumer, all the things we talk about with consumer credit and household debt and, and you know, where this is going and the lower uh, economics kind of uh, where the consumer is, I just, you know, this is something that I think that buy now, pay later and anyone with this kind of credit and it's still a high multiple stock, I'd take it and run. Yeah, um, but they don't have the exposure necessarily to 
a consumer that goes de delinquent, do they? They have a lot no, of data. No, but whoever, but who, they securitize their, right, their loans and sell them, but so you've got to offer higher and higher rates oh. because rates are higher, right? Yeah. right? And uh, so somebody's taking that risk. So I don't love it either. I think it off of a base that was extraordinarily low, right? right. But good for them. This is not a bad deal, but I, I agree. I wouldn't, wouldn't buy it. Option traders are betting there's even more upside for a firm. Kelly Intelligence CEO Kevin Kelly has the action. Kevin. Hi, Melissa. Yeah, the options were heavily traded today, and we actually saw about 1.75 times the amount of calls versus puts. And that's pretty telling given the fact that the implied volatility on this stock is almost 100. And so one of the most active contracts traded today was the 20 strike call that expires next Friday on the 16th. And it's currently traded around 19 cents. So you would need the stock to move about 25% higher by next Friday. Uh, Steve, what do you think about buy now, pay later? I think that's it's obviously a very popular aspect of it, but I don't think that they're the ones that will ultimately be the best, uh, best, biggest player for it. I think Apple you're going to see in that space as well. So extremely competitive. And this was an extension of a partnership that they've had with Amazon. They also have a partnership with Shopify, Walmart and Target. I think I, I agree with the rest. I think you just sell whatever pop that you can get out of this name. Kevin, thanks. Kevin Kelly for more Options Action. Tune into the full show. That is Friday, 5.30 p.m. Eastern Time coming up. Orange is the new blue for New York City skies, at least. The amber haze wreaking havoc on the airlines and airports today. We'll bring you a live report on what this means for travelers and investors next. Welcome back. Here's a sneak peek at the Kramer Cam. Jim is speaking exclusively with the CEO of Campbell's. Catch the full interview, top of the hour, on Mad Money. We now turn back to the developing story on the Canadian wildfires. The FAA forcing a ground stop at New York area airports earlier today due to poor visibility from the smoke, causing massive delays for the airlines. CNBC's Phil Lebeau standing by with more. And Phil, it looks like it's not just New York area that could potentially be affected, a much bigger swath. Oh, sure. And, and primarily what we're talking about are two airports in New York that are feeling the brunt of this, LaGuardia as well as Newark. And then there's Philadelphia, which is also noticing uh, an impact from the haze and the lack of visibility. So here's the latest, Melissa. And as you take a look at uh, a tarmac shot of Newark, Believe it or not, this is actually an improvement compared to a couple of hours ago when the visibility was down to a half mile. I just checked with the FAA. Visibility is up to one mile. Not a whole lot of improvement, but it is some improvement there. By the way, they are slowing down traffic on flights coming in to Newark as well as in to LaGuardia. Flights that are there, if there's an airplane that's there and they can take off, they are still taking off on schedule. Problem is you don't have as many planes coming in. And they've also slowed down traffic into Philadelphia as well. As you take a look at the airlines that have hubs either, or these guys all have hubs in New York um, what you were looking at are airlines that when we've checked with them, Melissa, they are not doing mass cancellations because it's such a fluid situation. They're not going to sit there and say, well, we're going to cancel X number of flights tonight and tomorrow because in a matter of a couple of hours, it could start to improve. So they're playing this pretty much hour by hour, waiting to see what the conditions uh, are like and how they may change. But still, I would imagine, Phil, that just because you might not have the planes where they should be, that would cause issues right? <laughs> if we're sure. delayed here in New York, Absolutely. that causes the, well, look, uh, the look, yes. other side to be delayed. And, 
and it's the number one airspace in this country. So, yes, you are going to see ripple effects uh, across the country. There's no doubt. Um, but it is not it is not as bad as, say, a, a blizzard in the wintertime where it's going to shut down things completely. It's not good. And the airlines would certainly rather be taking off and landing the schedule that they have there. Um, but they're hopeful that they can see some improvement here in the next few hours and start bringing in more flights and improve the rate at which flights are coming and going. Yep. Phil, thanks. Phil LeBeau with the latest yep. on how the airlines are coping with this crazy haze that we're seeing in this area. Uh, Tim, you're in airlines. I'm in airlines. Uh, I believe they actually make up a component of my acronym. Um, but but I, look, I look at Delta, it's up 17, 18 percent over the last 17, 18 days. United, kind of the same way. There it is. Um, and and uh, look how happy I looked there before before I picked Lyft. Uh, oh well, um, but but I you know what we've heard from the airlines for the last three quarters is is not only the normalization of their business, but but revenue per available seat miles that's even better than it was pre-COVID. So front of the bus is selling out. Business travel, of course. Transcontinental, of course. I, I look at airlines and I, I, I just, you know, I think these are the last reopening trade that are still rallying. And those charts have actually been constructive for weeks. Guy? You get a close above 40 in Delta and you're through a four-year downtrend from, I want to say, the summer of 2019. And we are close. Delta's traded well. So I think you stay with the airlines here, Melms. Yeah. You're just saying you, you got into Delta. Yeah. I mean, I saw the headline come across and I, and I figured it's not going to last forever. So I bought Delta on that on that dip intraday. But don't planes fly on instruments? Right. right? They can fly over the ocean in, in the middle of the night. So I get it. Landing in and out. This seems a little overdone for me. I mean, you're flying on. Do you want to do you want to volunteer and go on a flight now with the, you know, half a mile visibility, Steve? Hey, yes, I would. I would because they're not. Look down when you're flying over over the ocean. You're not looking out there going, Tim, you see anything? You see anything? No, it's on instruments. Let's go. Here's a PSA of all the people on this desk. Steve is probably the most risk averse of any of us. This is extraordinary. Fair. Anyway, fair. The irony. Good for right. you. Um, up next, final trades. <laughs> Reminder, we've got more on Ryan Cohen, his rise among retail inve- uh, traders in GameStop. In a new documentary, Making of the Meme King, re-airs tonight, 8 p.m. Eastern time here on CNBC. Final trade time, Guy Dami. Did you catch the humble brag from Bill Cairns about marathons? Well, yeah. MPC, <laughs> yeah, Marathon Petroleum. If I ran one, I'd talk about it all the time, Tim. <laughs> yeah, I was going to say, it's one more marathon than I've been a part of. Anyway, so Whirlpool, they've actually been running a marathon, trying to get supply chain thawed out. Things are better for them. It's up 15%. Actually, you're taking this momentum and taking this one higher. Karen. Yes, you know, Guy did not only a marathon, Iron, Iron Man. Iron Man. Iron yes. And he didn't even ask me to say that. Uh, my final <laughs> trade, XLF. I think the rotation has more to go. Steve. No brainer. Delta. It's not going to last forever. Instruments, people. Flying on instruments. <laughs> yes, you know it all, don't you? Uh, thanks for watching Fast Mad Money with Jim Cramer starts right now. All opinions expressed by the Fast Money participants are solely their opinions and do not reflect the opinions of CNBC, NBC Universal, their parent company or affiliates, and may have been previously disseminated by them on television, radio, internet, or another medium. You should not treat any opinion expressed on this podcast as a specific inducement to make a particular investment or follow a particular strategy, but only as an expression of an opinion. Such opinions are based upon information the Fast Money participants consider reliable, but neither CNBC nor its affiliates and or subsidiaries 
stories warrant its completeness or accuracy, and it should not be relied upon as such. To view the full Fast Money Disclaimer, please visit cnbc.com forward slash Fast Money Disclaimer. This podcast is supported by FedEx. Dear small and medium businesses, no one wants happy customers more than you do. So you need a business partner just like you. Like FedEx, who understands your passion for serving your customers because they have the same commitment towards you. That's why FedEx offers you picture proof of delivery, packageless and paperless returns, as well as weekend home delivery to 98% of the U.S. on Saturday and 50% on Sunday. See the FedEx service guide for delivery information. What's more, FedEx Ground is faster to more locations than UPS Ground. Trust FedEx for timely deliveries. See what FedEx can do for your business. Absolutely, positively FedEx.